Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favor and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after-lodge banter. Welcome to episode 144 of the Astro Lodge Podcast. I'm brought to you from not as far around the country as we've been in the past few weeks. Uh, we've, we've come back closer to the East Coast uh, on the tail of Grand Lodge sessions from Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New York, Maine, Maryland, Canada, and everywhere else. I don't actually know who had Grand Lodge this past week, but uh, a lot of that's been the talk of everything. So, uh... Of course, we have worshipless producer Bruce, as Gentlemen. always. What's up? Uh, the chaplain got lost in his garage somewhere, so I don't think he'll be here this week. Thank and God. Special co-host, uh, in light of recent events, is uh, Brother John Sissel uh, from the Grand Lodge of Kentucky. Say hello, John. Good evening, guys. What's up, hey, John? Uh, Welcome uh, to the show. John was, was at the... Two hundred and was it seventeenth 
270. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, we'll be talking a lot about that today. Before we get into that, I needed to square something away with Bruce. Uh, first things first is, up to is the my, uh, my Culver's ice cream here, Bruce. Uh, it is delicious. I'm taking all those. Next time I'm at Lodge, I'm taking them all. Also, Bruce and I sat here at the Lodge uh, yesterday and had some Culver's ice cream. And then I talked him into helping me with our, our Coke machine that had not had a deposit taken out of it in several years. Yeah, he was all like, hey, help so, me count this little... We, we, there's, there's like 20 or 30 coins in here. Just help me separate them into piles. And He pulls out this massive, giant, old-timey money bag with a dollar sign on it, wearing the bandit mask, <laughs> and it was about 50 pounds of quarters. So um, that was fun. And that also, we had no wrappers for it. How do we not make sure we have those before we start in Harlan? I, I don't know. There were, there were like $300 in quarters. So Bruce sat here at the tables in our dining room and helped me count out this $300 in quarters uh, into stacks of four so that we could roll them. Uh, I then went today to the store to get more quarter rolls because we ran out. So I rolled all of those quarters and then the nickels and the dimes and I put them all in coffee cans with the, with the cash because it has a dollar bill changer. And I schlepped all this stuff up to the bank today and I take it up to the teller and I'm apologizing as I hand her these coffee cans. Do you know what she did with those coffee cans, Bruce? Uh, tell me. She took each roll out of the coffee can and tore the roll open and dumped it into the <laughs> counting machine. Remember yesterday, before we started all this, I said that's what they probably going to do, and like maybe you should find out by one of the guys who normally takes that to the yeah. bank every single time. You said next time, don't bother rolling all these. You can just mm. dump them into this machine. So, uh, yeah, that happened. I just thought I'd let you know. Uh, I appreciate about... you informing me that I wasted three hours of my time. You could have just not told me that, and I'd have been a happier person. Thanks for that. But think of the think of the bonding time we had together. We got to uh, eat some of this this yummy ice cream that I'm eating right now. Mm-hmm. Ice cream's not even that good. Mm. Uh, but that's about how my week went, and that's really the only thing of note. Uh, John, since the the last time you've been on the After Lodge podcast, which is uh, back in the dinosaur era, since you've never been on with us before, uh, what's been going on in your life, brother? I was going to say, I was born, and then I was initiated, passed, and raised. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about the dinosaurs. Don't age me. Don't age me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a running it's a... joke with our uh, <laughs> previous guests. They've all just started with, well, first there were dinosaurs. That predate the dinosaurs. We swam out of the water. <laughs> uh, if you That's wouldn't right, mind, Kentucky. John, just give us a quick recap of your Masonic experience. I'm a fourth generation past, past master of my lodge. Was had the pleasure of being initiated, passed, and raised with by my father and my grandfather. Uh, served my lodge as master in 2011. I was what initiated in December of 2005. Have served okay. the Grand Lodge of Kentucky's education <laughs> committee a couple of times. I've served as district deputy grand master. In, in our district 14, being on an ad hoc committee uh, this past year for collegiate fraternal relations, 
And somehow, some way, I was suckered into serving on our bylaws, Grand Lodge bylaws committee this year. Oh. Uh, now, whereabouts in Kentucky are you? I am right outside of Louisville. Okay. I think I know where that is. I was worried he was going to say some place that no one's ever heard of. Kentucky like, no, I've been to some place you probably Hills. never heard of. <laughs> uh, so, so their Grand Lodge was this week. Is that right? We just finished our session yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of uh, hullabaloo on the <clears throat> on the subreddit, specifically in regards to the Prince Hall thing. Do we want to dive into that, Harlan, or are we? Uh, well, I mean, if you want to talk rip about the band-aid off without telling anybody what you've been doing the past couple of weeks, I guess I guess we could do that. Nobody wants to hear that I haven't been doing anything except for wasting my life rolling quarters that I didn't even need to do and eating ice cream. And not getting ice cream. Yeah, right, exactly. And watching you eat ice cream. Yes. Well, you got some tuna fish there, don't you? That is the summit of my life experience, as always. <laughs> I right, so, own a tuna fish empire. Uh, as a lot of you already know, uh, Kentucky was, I guess, one of two states before Texas left that set of states that had this weird idea that it could recognize the most worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodge as a legitimate body of Masons, but entertain no inner visitation between the two. Uh, as I understand, that was a mutual agreement with the Prince Hall Lodge at the time, so I can't really hold that against the Grand Lodge. Uh, Texas had a very similar arrangement, and I think they repealed that, was it last year or the year before? Maybe it's still that way. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but this, this year at Grand Lodge, uh, Kentucky agreed, as did both Kentucky Grand Lodges agreed, to enter visitation between the lodges. I can't imagine how that was received on the floor. Carlin, I'll tell you, it was probably the most inspiring moment that I have had attending our grand sessions uh, because it was... Uh, overwhelming. I think it was three to one or four to one in favor. Wow. That's crazy. You would think Kentucky would be, you know, just if it made it barely at all. That that would have been what I would have thought. That's phenomenal. So, I mean, what was, how, how was that presented? Like, I imagine there's debate on the floor and uh, people speak for and against. Yeah, that, there... yeah we've, we've got a tradition in Kentucky. Uh, the, the debate is generally limited to, for time purposes, uh, three in favor and three against. And truly, the, there were a few almost nonsensical arguments against, uh, but probably the, the most stirring presentation uh, in favor or against any particular legislation that happened was an older gentleman who had served in active duty talking about his feelings on why we should accept uh, the the advancement if you will of of this relationship with Prince Hall Grand Lodge in Kentucky and it was the whole room was shaking with the, the applause wow that that is impressive uh, I don't I really want to know how this went down in Texas now. I want to compare them. But uh, 
I'm curious what some of those those silly arguments against the the proposal were because I've I've heard I've heard all kinds of of things about why Prince Hall can't be recognized or have inner visitation. None of them really have much merit, and they're all usually masking some underlying tone of they look different than us. It's fortunate that it was a vet that uh, did this talk, because usually amongst the older fellows, um, it, it's been my experience anyway that the, the vets are far and away, you know, not racist in, in, in any regard, just because, as I believe Harlan, you said to me one time, the uh, as as the bullets are flying at you, it, it doesn't matter what color you are. Exactly. I was going to say, if you've ever been in a foxhole, it doesn't matter if the person next to you is white, black, pink, green, or purple. If they can fire a rifle against the enemy, yeah. your your best friend is the person to you. And if they can, you know, put your guts kind of back in your rib cage and carry you the hell out of there after you take a mortar round, well, it also doesn't matter what color they are. <laughs> so uh, that is that is very good news coming out of Kentucky. Do you have any plans on uh, entertaining some of our Prince Hall brothers out at your lodge or, or going to visit them? In the near future, or is there like a is there a delay period, or, or how's that working? Officially, it would be there is no delay. Um, there is a now, Kentucky has a, a closed, private, if you will, Facebook group discussing constitutional issues, and, and this evening it appears that lines, both Grand Lodges are going to get together and issue some uh, yeah that could take uh, and kind of the status quo if you will uh, of, of those conversations tonight unless you personally know a, a Prince Hall Mason and get an invitation or invite them to your lodge kind of stand by and wait for some guidance uh, as the Grand Masters put their heads together and, and flesh out if you will how that's going to look, <clears throat> but I I saw a lot of positive responses in the various Facebook groups. Uh, you know, it, excitement, you know, an appetite to get out in fellowship with these brothers that we've recognized as a a legitimate Masonic body for I don't know about five years now. Opportunity to sit in a tiled lodge with them. That is. Being, uh... I mean, that's, that's really cool. It's like discovering or being able to go see long-lost family that have been, I don't know, on the other side of the world for a while. So one of the you, things... You know that they're there, but you, you've just not been allowed to, to entertain and to communicate and to, to be in the same room in a child meeting. So one of the things I've wondered for a while, uh, with Kentucky being uniquely situated as kind of the the keystone or the border between the rest of the country and uh, the old Dixie, if you will, where Prince Hall is still clandestine, uh, is when the Grand Lodge of Kentucky recognized the Prince Hall Grand Lodge, it was the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Kentucky that received that recognition. Uh, just like the Grand Lodge of Indiana or Tennessee or whoever else would have received it, right? They were just treated like another Grand Lodge, just you couldn't enter visit that, with that's them. That's correct. Right? So if you visit 
another Grand Lodge that your jurisdiction recognizes, and that jurisdiction recognizes a Grand Lodge that yours doesn't, and there are members of that unrecognized Grand Lodge in the lodge that you're visiting, uh, I believe Kentucky has the win in Rome rule that most states have, which is, you know, when you're in another jurisdiction, you just do what they do. So even prior, to, Absolutely. Right, so even prior to Prince Hall gaining recognition, uh, I understood that a Kentucky Mason could go to lodge in Indiana, and if there were Prince Hall Masons visiting that lodge in Indiana, you didn't have to get up and leave. You could stay in that lodge because Indiana's Grand Lodge said it was okay. That is my understanding, yes. Okay, so extending that a step further, uh, if we have recognized the Prince Hall Grand Lodge, uh, presumably that means we have also recognized the Prince Hall Grand Lodges from other states. Uh, at least that's... So this debate could come up in any state, right? Like, do you recognize your state's Prince Hall or is it every jurisdiction's Prince Hall Grand Lodge? Where I'm going, of course, is like if, if Bruce and I, our Grand Lodge recognizes the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Alabama... Uh, but also the regular Grand Lodge of Alabama, are we then able to visit a Prince Hall Lodge in Alabama? That, that's where I'm, I'm going. Right. I don't know. How's that going to work out in Kentucky? Has anybody figured that out yet? It, well, that, that's obviously going to be one of the questions. Um, it, yeah. it, it opens up, in, in my mind, and I am not jurisprudence scholar, but it opens up, it, to some level, almost a can of worms because there's, you know, what, 51 jurisdictions in the United States of, you know, traditional, if you will, Blue Lodge Masonry. Traditional, let's say, 51 jurisdictions of Prince Hall Freemasons. In theory, you would ultimately have a need for Kentucky recognized the Prince Hall Grand Lodge in Indiana and Ohio and Tennessee and Georgia and, and California and Oregon and New York, etc. Um, the way it's being interpreted currently, the recognition is only for the Grand Lodge of Kentucky Prince Hall affiliates uh, for the inner visitation. That's the way the initial interpretation is. I, I would think, however, that if you're in you know, pick a state, um, you know, Illinois, for example, where you know, they not only allow, they recognize each other, they allow intervisitation, they also allow plural membership. Uh, if you're sitting in a, a traditional blue lodge in, in Illinois, you know, you're not going to have to bail out uh, because there's a, a Prince Hall Mason from the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Illinois. But I don't think that I would be allowed necessarily to, to visit a Prince Hall Lodge in Illinois. Okay, and that, that does make sense. Uh, so it would then be treated, and I guess this applies all over the country, not just in Kentucky. I just never thought about it before this news in Kentucky came up. Uh, is Prince Hall is a grand jurisdiction that just has, happens to have overlapping boundaries with another one. But you've all... You only can visit lodges in grand jurisdictions that your grand lodge recognizes. Correct. So I, that makes a lot of sense. So you, you wouldn't be able to go to a Prince Hall Lodge in Indiana 
but you could go to a, a lodge under the Grand Lodge of Indiana, and if there were Prince Hall brothers there, it's all good. Just like if you were in, uh, in an English lodge and there were Masons from a country that Kentucky doesn't recognize, you could stay, but you couldn't go to that country. Absolutely. So that, it, it, it's one of those things that sounds really complicated until, until you reason it out, and then that's how recognition's always worked for me. Uh, I, we really should have come up with a better system about 300 years ago. But <laughs> well, it, and Harlan, it's, it's my understanding that state jurisdictions are, are generally an American innovation, if you will. You know, if you get into to England, for example, in Great Britain, you have, you know, the Grand Lodge of Britain, or of England that has jurisdiction over their entire area. You don't over have all of the United Kingdom or entire king, right? As opposed to you know the Grand Lodge of Wales and the Grand Lodge of you know fill in the blank. Uh, so you don't have the basically the gerrymandering, I guess, of, of districts. Um, but if you if you take the Prince Hall concept out of the conversation for a moment, if Kentucky, let's say, for whatever reason, did not recognize Tennessee, and I couldn't visit a lodge in Tennessee because it would be, you know, a recognition issue. Well, <laughs> we here at the okay. After Lodge podcast are not allowed to visit a lodge in Tennessee. <laughs> Let's go a step further. You know, if I were a California Mason and I were traveling to, you know, Tennessee or Georgia, you know, or another state, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would, whether it's a Prince Hall Grand Lodge or, a, you know, a standard blue lodge, Grand Lodge, it, it would be wholly irrelevant. We would be unable to visit because it's a, there is no recognition at that point in time. Uh, so the fact that there, it's a Prince Hall Grand Lodge, uh, it certainly opens up the door for more, uh, for more appointments, if you will. Yep. For, you know, for the end of the ambassador? day, it, absolutely. And I didn't think about that. So does your, uh, I'm sure Kentucky exchanges grand representatives like uh, every other Grand Lodge except for Georgia. Uh, right. Did they appoint a, a representative from Prince Hall and vice versa to, to be the representative to that Grand Lodge? Or is that coming well, in the future? Well, that's a good question. I, I do not I do not believe that a, a representative was appointed at this session. Um, that may be a discussion between uh, the grant or part of the discussion between the grandmasters. Uh, and, and frankly, I'm not because I'm not overly familiar with the uh, the internal workings of the Prince Hall affiliated grand lodges. That may be something that, for example, they don't do. Oh, I I just know. Because that's got to be the easiest grand rep job ever if it's like the Prince Hall Grand Lodge in your state. I, I would think that would be pretty pretty good, a pretty sweet deal. I, I'm the grand rep from, from here to Israel, and that's you know that's a whole ocean away. If you I just had to go you know, downtown, <laughs> that would be uh, – I don't know. I, I don't know how that would work. I got to go look and, and see – how how states do that, or if Prince Hall even does that, that's another question to be raised. Um, but I mean, all of this is is pretty exciting. Uh, was there anything else at at 
Grand Lodge this year that, that tickled your fancy? Did you guys have any luck with that uh, getting rid of the Baltimore Convention leftovers? We actually, uh, one of our one of our older lodges, Fastmaster, um, is uh, a fairly well known author, and and did uh, a presentation Sunday evening before the session started, talking about uh, shooting ourselves in the foot and talking about the Washington Baltimore conventions and and so on. There was legislation presented this year based on our constitution it would have to lay over for, for a year that would finally reopen the doors of the lodge to enter the Prince of Fellowcraft. It would give the, the lodges the opportunity to choose what degree they're going to conduct business on. Uh, Fantastic. I was very proud of my lodge. Yeah, I, I was excited. My lodge agreed to co-sponsor it. I don't remember the exact number. I think there were you know, 10 or 15 or, or 20 lodges that ultimately signed on to co-sponsor this. Uh, it, it does limit the voting rights to only Master Masons, uh, but like I told, like I told somebody else, uh, you know, during the session, said if if this legislation will allow us to make one more high quality Master Mason, then it's been worth it. So that'll lay so, over twelve months, and there's a lot of work to be done between now and the next session uh, to get that passed because we're going to need a two-thirds majority to pass it, and it just squeaked by. So it, it just squeaked by on the uh, the initial review. They all got a year to convince. We, we've got we've got a year to work it. Um, and one of the things that I was, I guess, the reason I was able to get behind the legislation as much as I did, is that it was craft sponsored. In previous attempts, this has come from you know, the Grand Master is a recommendation, or it's come from the Jurisprudence Committee, and. I don't know how your all's Grand Lodge and relations with their subordinate lodges are, but um, those are sometimes tough sells in Kentucky. And the fact that it came from the craft as legislation, it, it we were able to pass it to lay over with a uh, with fifty three percent of the delegates voting in favor of it. Wow, uh, that's really close. <laughs> there was a yeah, measure last year. Very Fourteen similar. points on that. That's a big number. There was a measure last year very similar that was based off of uh, Most Worshipful Rick Nation's uh, edict where he tried to do this by edict. Uh, I guess you're, you're saying that uh, it mostly had such a negative response because it was done by edict and then they tried to amend the Constitution afterwards? Or do you think it's just pure fear of change? I think that there's there are parts of the state that firmly agree uh, with this opportunity. I think there are other parts of the state that that very much of the mindset, this is the way it's always been, uh, and that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, there are different individuals that I've talked to over the last few days you know, have suggested different recommendations, you know, limit the amount of time that an entered apprentice can set and lodge until they advance. You know, we need to do a better job of education, you know, on the subject and of the, the candidates and so on and having served on our education committee I realized that there is a bunch of, of opportunity for for education but it, Harlan to your question I, I think that 
primarily the reason the measure has struggled in the past has been because it feels like to the subordinate lodges uh, to be a heavy-handed Grand Lodge as opposed to what it has it's ultimately been, and that's a, a well-intentioned effort to move the craft forward and that's, open the door. It's the will of the craft now. Yeah, exactly. And it, ultimately, it's the will of the craft. I think this is something that is going to continue to come up at our Grand Lodge every couple of years. And I think there's what 26 or 27 jurisdictions that have. Say exhumed William Morgan from their life, uh, have have allowed a return to uh, the prior to the Baltimore Wa Washington conventions, and and ultimately are are doing good things with their entered apprentice. Uh, unfortunately, there's no scientific evidence. Nobody has done the work to put together a good, comprehensive scientific study as to the advantages and disadvantages of this type of legislation. Well, With that said, sorry. there's a whole lens that it's helping retention rates in the jurisdictions that have, uh, have enacted this type of, of legislation. Well, absolutely. Not to mention actually doing business on a degree that requires a secretary and treasurer to be there. That... <laughs> One of the well, one of the yeah. biggest arguments I've heard about this, and uh, this was a Grand Lodge guy himself, I've heard say this, um, is that there will be no incentive for an EA or fellow craft to move on uh, if they're now allowed to sit in business meetings. And that I I just like I don't understand that reasoning at all. I, I would think they would be more incentivized to do so because if nothing else, they feel like they belong more. They can, well, I think when you're dealing with and let's face it, this is an issue that while it affects all of our membership, regardless of age, uh, I think this is something that will help us disproportionately with the, the younger generations. Uh, you know, and I still consider myself part of the younger crowd, even though I'm 40. Uh, you know, but let's talk about you know, guys who are in their, their 20s and their 30s. Incentive as a 30-year-old man, let's say with you know a wife and a couple of kids and a full-time job and your wife works, you know, yeah, you want to do what your dad did or your grandfather did or your great-grandfather or your uncle, whatever, but we bring you to lodge. We call you brother after you take your entered apprentice obligation a dozen times. You know, we, we pat you on the back after standing you in, in the northeast corner and telling you that you are now, for all intents and purposes, an upright man in Mason. And then we kick you in the butt on the way out the door and say, now don't come back and see us now until you've learned all this. Right. You know, right. And then don't come back and see us again until you've learned some more. And then maybe we'll let you join us. We're but just going to shut our door to you. Right. Well, you don't develop the habit. And let's face it, it's a habit to get up and go to lodge, you know, your lodge meeting, whether that's once a month or once a week or, or whatever. Sure. You have to get in that habit. And there has to be a, an incentive for you to be there. And it's a special individual who can blindly trust that it's it's completely worth it. And then the great irony of it is in, in the majority of the lodges, after they go through all of that work and they, they learn their lectures 
and they, they've gotten their three degrees, and then we show up to Lodge for the first time, excited for all this light and masonry, and what happens? Minutes. minutes bills. They pay the bill. They argue over, you know, a, I don't know, a sign in the yard, or, you know, fish we're going to have chicken or fish. Right. You know, and then, uh, you know, out the door, and you've spent an hour and a half of your night looking around going, this is what I did all this for? Right. Uh, so it's a two-part issue for me. One is is good programming and education, and, and two is creating an incentive for these guys to be there. And part of that incentive is is the brotherly love, is the camaraderie that you develop for being with those guys. Okay. Now, for this to pass next year, is it does it just need greater than fifty percent, or how to, how, does it have to be bigger? How's that work? No, our, our constitution requires a two-thirds majority for any constitutional measure. Uh, our constitution's chunked into several different parts. Uh, so, for example, standing resolutions can pass on a simple majority, but if it is within the actual body of the constitution, it takes a two-thirds majority. All right. So, doing the quick math, we've got to retain all of our votes uh, that we had this year, the 53%. And we've got to put another 14% on, on top of that. Um, and I think there was probably round numbers, 350, 380 delegates this year. So, you know, you can do the math. We're going to have to have safely, yeah, because there will be some attrition, you know, because you've got some turnover in, in the voting candidates. Mm -hmm. We need to probably put 60 or 70 more votes together. So you all still got uh, your work cut out for you then. It's a big hill to climb. It's going to be a lot of effort on on the part of several uh, individuals involved in this. Like I said, it, it will ultimately come to pass, I think, in Kentucky. It just may not be this coming session. Well, the good thing about this is it, it'll at least open up some discussion that may have not existed before with it, it being on the table now. I agree. And the other part of it is there is a, um, a growing... A group of individuals who are very active and very interested in seeing this come to light, you know, come to fruition. And we are becoming more organized in our effort. Uh, and maybe I was a little wet behind the ears when this first came up uh, and, and was naive enough to believe that you could just trust that uh, people would vote, you know, the way you thought was the best interest. But what I figured out is that you've got to do a better job communicating this information and teaching individuals the fraternity, but the meaning of the fraternity. And plus, it's it's so hard to fight specifically amongst the old guard, just tradition. You know, this is the way it's been, so this is the way it's going to be. Uh, that's unfortunately a lot, well, I don't want to say unfortunately, but that's a lot of Freemasonry in general. Well, it, one of the, the phrases that I'd I carry my back pocket is uh, it, it takes a long time to turn a battleship. Uh, but I, like I would have been hard-pressed hard five years ago or ten years ago to believe that we would have gotten to a point where we had intervisitation with Prince Hall. Uh, you know, and if we can pass intervisitation with Prince Hall in, you know, basically a three or four-to-one fashion, that gives me hope for uh, exhuming William Morgan from our, our midst. Right. Well, it's nice to hear Kentucky's finally doing it right. So, 
Do you think uh, there are any odds? Definitely step right back. Think there's any any probability of taking a step against uh, prohibition, which is still a big thing in Kentucky, as in many places, uh, as Ohio did in their Grand Lodge session this past week. Uh, it was a tiny step, but they uh, finally gave lodges the okay to uh, allow alcohol in the building if they're renting it out to somebody. Uh, I believe Kentucky is one of those places, like most southern states, that have very strict rules around alcohol. Yes. Our Constitution actually is a little softer on it now than it was, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, our lodges are not allowed to hold a liquor license. And I guess the, the thing that just perplexes me to no end is you look around and, and so many of these guys are, are members of their Blue Lodge and their Scottish Rite and or their York Rite in the shrine, you know, and you'll see them at lodge on, on Thursday night, you know, and then you turn right back around and you see them at, at the shrine, for example, on Friday or Saturday. <laughs> and we can't have a, a beverage of adult status in lodge, but, uh, and we can run right down the street to the, the shrine temple and, and drink till we're, we're pickled. It's just, it's amazing to me, you know, how we just accept without any critical thought that that's just the way it's supposed to be. I'm not sure that there's an appetite currently in Kentucky to change that. It, it certainly would facilitate you know, table lodges and, and more of a traditional observance approach, uh, more of a, a European style model, but it's definitely not something that there's there's been a whole lot of discussion at a Grand Lodge level that I'm aware of. Well, there has been, but it, it's a big conspiracy. See, most of uh, most of your Grand Masters, like most Grand Masters, are prominent members of their shrine, and the prohibition on alcohol in the lodge is very good for the shrine. I see this as a big cover-up conspiracy of epic proportions. Okay, it was funny to me. You know what? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me that, that you can go even to a Grand Lodge session, you know, and, and after Grand Lodge, we won't go that far. You can be sitting in a Grand Lodge session at a, a banquet, you know, at a Master Mason's dinner with an open bar. But we're not responsible enough to, to take care of that on our own. I mean, I understand that the liability risks and, and whatnot, but at the end of the day, if the shrine's capable of doing it, if we can have an open bar at a, a banquet, uh, you know, what exactly is the, the issue? I, now, that may be uh, something, I may be my grandfather's age before we get that changed. Yeah. But I think, I yeah. think we'll see that, that ultimately change because the attitudes towards yeah, and I'm going to do finger quotes temperance, uh, as it was defined in the, the 20s and 30s, uh, are very different than they are today. I never really got it either. It's one of those things I've just always kind of chalked up to the tradition thing. Well, uh, congratulations to our brothers in Ohio for making a, a small step of progress. 
that's a problem for us here in our lodge when we want to rent it out. Um, we could have this place rented out every week, but uh, that, that prohibition thing kind of kills us. So we get birthday parties and the occasional like dinner for the Baptist church. Uh, Speaking some of Ohio. Ladies church uh, group or something. Bruce, I heard some other fun things about the Grand Lodge of Kentucky this week. Uh, okay. Namely, that they were visited uh, by some of the After Lodge podcast's greatest hits. Do tell. Uh, that the Grand Masters of Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, West huh. Virginia, and, and Ohio um, were all in attendance at the Grand Lodge of Kentucky. That's, that, that's like our hit list, dude. What, yeah, I mean, you, were, uh, they, were, they, were they looking for us? I, I don't, I don't know. John, did you uh, get a chance to interact with with any of these brothers, namely the Grandmaster of Alabama? Shake his hand, ask him uh, what the hell's going on down there. I, I did not have the opportunity to uh, to speak with any of the Grand Representatives from Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia. As a matter of fact, I think the only one that I had the the opportunity to interact with were. Our, our good friends over in South Carolina. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we're not on their list. We haven't really pissed them off yet. Yeah. We will. They're one of like I think uh, South five. Carolina is a, a little more, I think South Carolina is a little more in line with um, the direction that you guys are, are wanting to see the fraternity moving. Progressive, yeah. you could say. So I wonder how those, how those gentlemen felt uh, about Kentucky taking – steps towards the rest of the union and kind of leaving the old South behind. Uh, I wonder if they'll come back next year. You know, we were always the redheaded stepchild of the old South. You know, you, you get into Kentucky and you know, from the, from a, um, a Southern gentleman's perspective, that's really the North. Of course, yeah. if you get into Kentucky and you're from up North, you're, you're in deep South. You know, and if you get, um, into Kentucky from the, the east, you're in the Midwest, and you're coming from Missouri or Arkansas, then, you know, you're you're in the east. Yep. Uh, Kentucky's got a, a strange place in the, the geography of the United States that kind of really don't belong to anybody. Is that the, why the people are so confused? Because, like, if you drive through Kentucky, you see, like, all these people in their pickup trucks driving Confederate flags, like, flying off the back, <laughs> and and... I mean, just as a, a, a simple student of history, I don't understand what that's about. It, it, well, that goes back to the conversation we had about education. <laughs> it, yeah. if, you're, you know, if you're a student of history, you know that um, Kentucky did not secede from the Union. Uh, right, well, most however, of Kentucky fought for it. Well, you know, there was a, a no truer words could ever be said about brother against brother and father against son during the the Civil War, than to what can be said about you know the folks in Kentucky, where you had literally people in the same town in the same family fighting in different colored uniforms. You know, it we are really a, in a, a strange position, you know, being a effectively a border state. Fascinating. Huh. Well. Uh, I don't know. I, I was always afraid to ask people that do that. Um, maybe I will one day. The other funny story I heard was that your most worshipful grandmaster, 
the most esteemed gentleman in our fraternity in that jurisdiction, this, this high and, and lofty fellow, uh, well-educated man, respected among the brethren, rolled into the Grand Lodge session on an old-fashioned, giant-wheeled iron bicycle. Huh. Absolutely. He rolled in. You know, he was uh, twisting the throttle as hard as he could. Unfortunately, it, it didn't rumble like a Harley. It uh, it was just a Schwinn. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're talking about one of those like cartoonish bicycles, right? Like with the with the six foot tall front wheel and the like if, one foot tall only. back wheel. Yeah, if only that was actually what he had. Uh, uh, my understanding had committed to do. Um, he did, however, make his way around on a bike about the same size as uh, my my eleven year olds. Oh, well, I guess I heard that all wrong. The, the grandmaster. Yeah, well, the, the Grandmaster had a, a program this year that encouraged the lodges to to purchase and present bicycles to elementary schools to be used as uh, incentives for perfect attendance. And there was something insane, like 1,100 bicycles donated around the state wow. uh, by lodges. Uh, it, it was an amazing thing. Uh, the Commissioner for Education uh, from the, the state governors, our government, uh, was at Grand Lodge and, and thanked us for our support. Now, in, in fairness, our, grandma, our now junior past Grandmaster uh, is an educator by, by trade. He's a, a school administrator. So this is something that really hits home for him. Uh, but we had amazing participation with this program, and I, I think we were able to do some good in the communities. And... True to his word, you know, because of the volume of bicycles that were donated around the state, on the second day of our communication, before we resumed labor, he rode into the convention hall and made a couple of circles around the, uh, the delegates and rode it all the way up the ramp onto stage to the Grand East. That's pretty huh. cool. So how did it was, that... It was how did that work exactly with the Grand Marshal and the sword bearer and whatnot proceeding in front of him? Was was like the sword bearer running behind him and the <laughs> marshal like yeah. renting with a baton or, or somebody holding Yeah, there were some comments about uh, the possibility of the sword bearer lancing the tires, but uh, safe, luckily he was safe all the way to the Grand East. Is, uh, Kentucky boys have a lot of fun. If nothing else, we have a good time. Yeah, and all that fried chicken. So, uh, that's that's really the best Kentucky joke I've got. They do do that. And bourbon. <laughs> oh, love yeah. Bourbon and, uh, and corn mash. Yeah. We know a thing or two about that. So, was there, uh, was there anything else that, that uh, you might want to share with, with the world that came out of Kentucky's Grand Lodge session? I think we had a, a, a very productive session overall. Uh, it, there obviously were you know, some folks who were dissatisfied with the outcomes of, of elections and, and whatnot, but I, I, think we've got, uh, I think we've got a bright future. You know, there, there's certainly a lot of work to be done, but we're excited about, about the steps we took with Prince Hall, and I personally am very excited about the opportunity to try and advance 
we entered apprentice legislation. And the one thing that I've learned with my time in this fraternity is that you learn every single day and you have to continue to educate every single day yourself and your, your brothers in lodge and do good work. And I think we, we do a fairly good job of that. Sounds like it. Bruce, have you heard uh, anything else fun out of Kentucky or Ohio or anyone else that had Grand Lodge? Uh, no, I mean, I've been following what's on Reddit, but pretty much all that's on there is the uh, Prince Hall thing. Yeah, uh, you guys did kind of take over the internet uh, this week, so congratulations uh, on on that accomplishment to our brothers in Kentucky, and uh, this is the part where the chaplain normally busts in, so I just keep waiting on like the wall to shatter like the Kool-Aid man, but uh, hey, hey. yeah, it looks like it's not going to happen, so... Uh, I'm really out of, of things to, to discuss here. Uh, Kentucky has, again, monopolized uh, our pool of discussion topics that is Reddit. Uh, a certain kind of pool, you might say. Uh, right. I was looking at the, uh, at the list of jurisdictions that still do not have uh, <clears throat> inner visitation. Uh, I'm, l l let me go ahead and just read this list off to you, Harlan. Tell me if you notice anything about it. Draw a map of the Old South. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, yep. Georgia, yep. Louisiana, yep. Mississippi, yep. South Carolina, uh -huh. Tennessee, mm -hmm. and West Virginia. That is all of them. Sounds about right. Well, I said the Old South, but I guess Tennessee or Tennessee, uh, West Virginia and North Carolina must have swapped places. Uh, switch those two out, and you've basically got a map of the Confederacy. Uh, what's funny about Mississippi are those memes that were going around with the uh, about the whole gay marriage thing, and it was uh, we welcome the queers to our lodges, <laughs> white queers. Wow. I was like, well, at least there's Mississippi, right? That's uh, that's also a long time slogan of of our show here, John. Is uh, at least there's Mississippi. Uh, Brother Coke guy that was with us last week uh, is from there um that's all i'll say about him right <laughs> now we, we love these guys uh so yeah now that you're going to be internet famous uh i i'd plan on on some time off uh after the show comes out so when your phone starts blowing up and uh you know millions of fans around the world or or it could just be the seven people that listen to this podcast every week but one way or another people know who you are and uh, we appreciate you joining us taking some time out this evening to recap the happenings in Kentucky. Guys, it has been my personal pleasure. Great. So uh, I don't think there's there's anything else, anything coming up, uh, Bruce, before the next show comes out? Uh, no. My, 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 my time uh, is rapidly speeding towards my year as master, and I've been kind of yeah. to, to the side asking everybody for advice, and there just happened to be a uh, – uh, a post on Freemasonry, our Freemasonry this week about uh, some guy who's getting ready to be installed as master. Uh, and I want to read the top comment from that because I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's by 753i. I don't remember who that is, but I know we've had interaction with him before. 
<clears throat> uh, and I want to go ahead and just read his response, if, uh, if that's all right with you. You're the producer. Awesome, because I was going to go ahead and just clip it and edit in later if you said no anyway. Okay, <clears throat> it says, or he says, identify the brothers in your lodge by their strengths and interests. There are some who say are ritualists, some big on community service, some who are really social and love to be the life of the party. There are several facets you will find in your lodge. Put them to use. Put the new guys to work almost immediately. Put them under the mentorship of well-informed brethren or brethren who have the same interests as the candidate does. Identify the long-term goals and traditions for your lodge, and identify where you want your lodge to be in three years. You do not have to let anyone know about the steps. Just let them know about the goal and motivate them to believe in you. Plan out your steps year by year, month by month, milestone by milestone. This is a voluntary organization. You have to be a great motivator. That is why it is important to identify the brothers in your lodge so you know what motivates them individually or as a group. Be very familiar with the rules, bylaws, and procedures of your jurisdiction. You may have some GLO or PM trying to punk you, and if you have that at the back of your hand, you can fight back. Use caution and tact. Use your past masters for advice and counseling. Don't let them overwhelm you or overrun you. Use caution and tact. Small deals. Make sure you have your agenda set before every meeting. Make sure you have your officers meet or discuss the agenda prior to the meeting. Make sure you are the first to lodge and the last to leave. I don't know about that one. Hmm. Um, that's it. That's what he said. Uh, and I just thought that was some really useful information. Um, wow. I usually just tell guys to sit up in the east. Now look to your left. See that guy at the desk. Do what he says. And, and the, the joke here, John, is that Harlan is the secretary at our lodge. So next year, that is exactly what I will be yeah. doing. No, it's not. I know how this will go. You'll be just like Ray. I'll be washing cars and changing tires and mowing grass <laughs> and who knows what else. Uh, the best thing you can do with the secretary is pound the gavel a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> I did that the year I was master. Uh, it turns out they do not react well to that. Secretaries are a special breed. Which is why he's secretary. Well, Jason was the secretary the year I was master, uh, and he got gaveled down all the time. I'm sure the whole year Harlan was up there, he was like, oh, I'm going to show them how it's done. These guys don't even know. They don't even know. Uh, that's, that's what I thought. And then uh, I left wondering what the hell happened. It was like uh, waking up in a strange place, unable to find your pants, was how I felt after installation night the next year. <laughs> like I had big plans for the night. I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what. I'll do uh, everything I can to help uh, reinvigorate that feeling for next year, Harlan. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so we don't uh, – yeah, our lodge doesn't meet again until till after the next show, so you can talk about your tag team degree work, I guess, at that point. Uh, yeah, I that's going to happen. I think that's it. Yeah, the Chaplain's Halloween party will be after that. Everything's after that. So it uh, looks like the next week is boring, fellas. So I guess we're done here. Uh, shout out to Kentucky. Y'all are doing – Good stuff. Keep it up. Well, I want to thank you guys for the invitation to, to be with you tonight. And uh, congratulations on the show. And look forward to being with you sometime in the future. Uh, yeah, 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 thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck with your oncoming battle for the, uh, you know, for the opening on the EA and, and or FC thing. Yeah. Um, thanks and welcome. Uh, you should check out Reddit if, uh, if you're not doing that. There's a whole Freemasonry community on there. It's a good group uh, of guys. 
I wouldn't go that far, but sometimes there's fascinating stuff that pops there up. There are other guys there, too. Come on. <laughs> you, have to, you have to sort through a lot of the nonsense, uh, but there is a lot of worthwhile stuff. And if you want to be that guy in your lodge that's the first to know what's happening elsewhere in the world regarding Freemasonry, uh, that subreddit is the place to gather that information. In fact, I think when Kentucky's vote to uh, allow visitation with Prince Hall passed, as I understand it, it had just passed minutes before it popped up on Reddit. So it is, it is very much up to the moment information about masonry around the world. Except for those moderators. They're, they're a bunch of jerks. But uh, otherwise, all right, Bruce, I guess we'll close it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's all, all I right. got. Thanks for listening to episode 144 of the After Lodge podcast. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at After Lodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge.gmail.com. Uh, leave us a voicemail if anybody still uses phones. Uh, there's a phone number in the show notes on the website. Uh, don't text us, please. I, I don't actually know where those texts go. I think it's like burner phone that Jason has up on Pikey Mountain. Uh, you can hang out with us on IRC, which is always fun for the live action at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign Freemasonry. And of course, the best place to find us, as always, is on the Freemasonry and After Lodge subreddits. So, uh, as I admonished Brother John, if you are not on Reddit, it's never too late. Until next week, brothers, uh, may the sun shine in your face and the wind be at your back. Again, I thought it was fun. Let's go.